Hello and welcome to Speaking Spirit, where we talk about all things spiritual. Your host, John Moore, is a shamanic practitioner and spiritual teacher. And now, here's John. Hello, everybody. It is just after sunrise as I record this for you on February 1st, 2021. Um, It is just before a large winter storm is about to hit here. And um, it's interesting to me. I I love storms. I'm one of those people who love storms. And as a shamanic practitioner, we do a lot of work with uh, weather spirits, the spirits of nature, that sort of thing. And there's always this tremendous power that comes. You can, if you're sensitive to it, you can feel it. Um, you know, part of it is physical. There's the uh, dropping of barometric pressure that happens and, um, you know, th- that sort of thing. But there is this electric spiritual energy that, that precedes storms. That's a pretty interesting thing. And I do um, know a lot of people who practice weather shamanism, uh, which is not, by the way, trying to change the weather in any way, but it's working with the spirits of weather and the spirits of nature. And we don't try to, uh, at least the folks I know, don't try to impose their will over the weather. Um, not that not that you necessarily could. Uh, weather's got a will of its own, but um, it just doesn't make for happy surfing. So we're about to get this big winter storm here and, you know, somewhere between 7 and 14 inches of snow is supposed to fall. Um, you know, that fairly significant amount. It is currently zero degrees Fahrenheit, which is about 18, negative 18 degrees Celsius uh, where I am. So it's pretty cold out. And it makes me grateful that uh, I live in a house and there's heat and electricity and um, food and I don't have to go out and hunt for food. But it also makes me appreciate my ancestors who made it um, living in these conditions without all of those creature comforts and things that I would require for my survival these days. I don't think I could survive very long, um, you know, in this kind of environment without, you know, without these things. And so, um, you know, cheers to my ancestors. I'm raising my cup of coffee. I'm have a little sip here. For me, there is no shamanizing without coffee. Um, someday I'll find out if there, if anywhere there exists a deity or god of coffee. Maybe if you know of one, you can um, send me a message through my website or something. I would like to make an offering uh, if there is a deity of coffee. Today's podcast episode, I'm going to talk about ceremony and ritual. Um, I want to sort of define what I mean by those that can be a lot of confusion caused between those two, and sometimes they're used interchangeably. Um, But also I want to talk about why they're important on a spiritual level. Um, And 
you know, sort of what we're missing when we forego these things. Uh, as a shamanic practitioner, we have lots of ceremonies that we perform when we do a healing for somebody. It's called a healing ceremony uh, frequently. Um, and, you know, there are also lots of rituals that we perform as part of that. So let's talk a little bit about what a ceremony is and what a ritual is and what's the difference. And then, you know, then we can be on sort of square footing. And, you know, again, my definitions are my definitions. Yours might vary slightly. I give you mine because then you understand what I'm talking about. Um, You know, words are complicated things. And I know from looking at the, where people are listening to, this podcast from that you are all over the world and I am grateful for you. I am grateful and I love you for listening to this podcast. And, you know, it, it, um, it warms my heart that I can have this technology again, to speak to people who are as far away as India or Nepal or Russia or Japan, um, Netherlands, Iceland. I'm trying to think of all of the different places I've seen people listening from, um, the UK certainly. So words can be complicated, and English might not be your first language. And I respect, I respect that. I really respect if you're listening to this podcast in English, and English is not your first language. Um, that's uh, you know that's an amazing thing in itself. So I'm going to give you a definition of ritual. I'm going to give you a definition of ceremony, and I'm going to talk about how they play together and. Um, you know, again, why they're important and what we can think about when we're thinking about ritual and ceremony and that sort of thing. Um, So ritual, I have a very simple definition of ritual, and ritual is merely symbolic action, right? Symbolic action. So a ritual could be something you say, something you do, a collection of some collection of activity that has... Uh, symbolic meaning, right? And there is, there's a component in some definitions of ritual that it is uh, prescribed, that it is repeated action, something that is done over and over again. Um, I, you know, I, I struggled with including that with my definition because sometimes a ritual could be performed once, and so it isn't necessarily repeated. You know, I might do a one-time ritual? Does that still make it a ritual? Is it a symbolic action? Um, Some examples of symbolic action might be, um, you know, for people who practice the Catholic faith, right, they might cross themselves when they enter a church, right, a ritualistic action, making the sign of the cross. Um, It is a symbolic gesture, symbolic action. Um, I might... Uh, as a shamanic practitioner, I uh, perform a ritual before I do work where I, um, it's called opening the directions, where I rattle to the, you know, northeast, south, and west, and, you know, upper world and the lower world, and to the indwelling spirit, Um, and that is, you know, symbolic action that I perform each time I do work, or I work with a circle, or, or that sort of thing. So that you can think about all kinds of 
all kinds of symbolic actions that you might take during the day. And they don't have to be necessarily profoundly religious or, um, or profoundly, you know, profoundly spiritual to be, uh, to be rituals. They, you know, it, it's just the fact that I'm performing some symbolic action, right? And if you think about, uh, if you think about sports, I'm not, I'm not a really big sports person, but, um, you know, there are lots of rituals to open up sporting events, right? There might be uh, a coin toss or, you know, and a coin toss has a real world purpose sometimes, right? It, it, you know, it defines who gets to start a game or, or that sort of thing, or, you know, there's a singing of anthems or there is a presentation of players or, you know, what, whatever, you know, so the way that we open things um, like that tend to be uh, symbolic, symbolic action. Is the thing about the stock, stock market, the opening and closing of the stock market, those are, those are little rituals, right? Um, they are prescribed, they are, you know, they might not be what we would consider intensely spiritual um, because they're not specifically spiritual or religious events. Uh, But the reason that ritual is important is that it does make all ritual, all action makes an impact um, on the spiritual planes. Uh, ritual, Ritual is designed or has the effect, I should say, um, because it's not necessarily designed, but it has the effect of of having sort of an amplified effect on spiritual planes because our our astral bodies, our spiritual bodies, our our soul bodies have um, deal with a lot. They're they're formless, and they understand. They communicate a lot through metaphor, right? You can think about dreams that you have where. You get symbols in dreams, and they're very metaphoric. Um, and you know, sometimes you you may have to go to somebody to help you interpret those dreams. <clears throat> that is your, you know, th- those are things that are bubbling up from layers of you that are entirely symbolic. And so, ritual is one way that we can have communication with those parts of ourselves and those parts of spirit um, that are you know, that understand things that are more symbolic. Um, A really important component of ritual, and it's a component of most spiritual spiritual action and most spiritual life, a really important component is intent, which is what, which is aim and action, right? Intent is aim and action. What are you intending to do? And your intent we say in, in shamanism, we say intent drives the bus, right? Intent is the engine and the steering wheel of the bus. It provides the fuel and it, and it steers things, okay? So when I, um, you know, I can make a ritualistic action, um, but if there's no intent behind it, it is not going to uh, reflect or carry as heavily into the spiritual planes where you know where symbols are are better understood. So if I you know I am not a practicing Catholic, and so if I I can make the sign of the cross in the same way, you know I can imitate um, people I've seen on TV or or people who are Catholic that I know 
um, if I just do that motion, it does not have the same effect on me. It does not have the effect because it doesn't have the same. I don't necessarily understand the intention because I haven't been to Catholic school or or been through catechism training or any of those things. So I don't I don't get it. First of all, I don't understand it. Um, so I can't put the intent behind it that somebody who has done those things can do. So it does not have the same meaning. It does not have the same effect for me. Likewise, somebody could imitate what I do when I, if I open directions and I use a rattle normally to do that, somebody could imitate those motions, um, but not have the same understanding or intent. And it, and it, I, you know, it will not have the same effect. So intent is a key component, is a key component of both uh, ritual and ceremony. So let me talk about ceremony, um, ceremony a little bit and differentiate that from ritual, although they, they do go hand in hand. And I'm going to use a sort of a dictionary definition of ceremony here. I was trying to capture the elements of ceremony in my own words, finding it a little challenging. So I went to my old friend Wikipedia here, and I think their definition is actually pretty good. Um, And I'll talk about the components of it. So uh, I will read it to you verbatim, um, but you can obviously look, look at this yourself. But a ceremony is a unified ritualistic event with a purpose, usually consisting of a number of artistic components performed on a special occasion. So let me take that piece by piece. So... It is, um, a ceremony is a, let's start with unified ritualistic event. So unified meaning that it is singular and ritualistic meaning that it contains ritual. Okay, so um, this is why I defined ritual first. So we can think of ceremony as uh, one, you know, a ceremony as a thing that begins and ends and has components of ritual in it. Okay, that's the first, kind of the first component. Um, Right, and a ceremony might contain a number of rituals. So I think about, uh, you know, an obvious one is a wedding ceremony, okay? And, you know, different cultures have different ceremonies, but, um, you know, sort of traditional Western Christian Wedding ceremonies, even if you don't come from that culture, I'm sure you've seen them in movies or TV, you know, there are different rituals. So there is an exchanging of rings. That's one ritual, right? There is an exchanging of vows. That is another ritual. But it's a unified event. The wedding is a unified event. Um, I will skip the part about artistic components. They don't, I mean, that that's sort of subjective, right? I mean, there might, there certainly could be. Um, there certainly could be, you know, again, the wedding ceremony, there might be music, there might be um, poetry spoken or verses read from scripture, that sort of thing. Um, and it's performed on a special occasion, right? So this is another thing about ceremony, is that ceremony 
marks a special occasion. And what does special mean? Well, special is very subjective, right? Special means that it stands out from the ordinary in some way. So a wedding is a special occasion because it marks the beginning of a marriage, um, you know, and initiation, if you are initiated into some form of spirituality, marks a special occasion, uh, you know, a passage, a rite of passage sort of thing. And, you know, we have all kinds of, uh, all over the world, we have different rites of passage. Um, you know, in Jewish culture, we have the bar mitzvah and the bat mitzvah. Um, you know, certainly in lots of indigenous cultures, there are rites of passage, coming of age ceremonies that involve lots of lots and lots of ritual and they take place over prolonged periods of time or it might be marked by um, a special event birthdays right we have birthday celebrations celebration could be could be include ceremony like if you have a um, you know blowing out of candles on a cake right that is symbolic action that's ritual um, marking a special occasion. It's unified. Hopefully your birthday party has a beginning and an end. Um, you know, maybe, maybe you have an ongoing birthday party and that would be fun. But, um, you know, so it's a unified event that contains ritual action. So ceremonies, um, again, have this connotation of the word special, meaning not ordinary, not necessarily every day. I, although there are ceremonies that are performed every day, but not maybe not continuously, maybe not something that is um, done continuously over and over again, but there's, there's a, a, you know, ceremonies mark a mark time and space. So 3d reality, um, you know, we're sort of saying, you know, this is a special place. This is a special time. And we're going to mark that with some kind of ritual. And of course, I'm sure you have experienced uh, lots and lots of different ceremonies, um, you know, weddings, funerals, birthdays, uh, religious ceremonies, observances of holidays, um, you know, spiritual holidays. So, um, you know, we have, you know, Christmas, we have Hanukkah, we have um, uh, Diwali, we have Kwanzaa, we have all of those things, and there are ceremonies that can go with some of those things. And definitely rituals that that are, you know, contained within those contained within those ceremonies. Um, frequently, you know, one of the things that uh, one of the healings that I get called on to perform pretty frequently um, is called a soul retrieval, and we refer to that as a soul retrieval ceremony um, as opposed to a ritual. Right? That's and soul retrieval is a pretty big deal. It exists in all shamanic cultures. It's a way of healing, helping people heal trauma by bringing parts, sort of scared or lost or damaged parts of the soul back to be reunited. And so it can help a person feel more whole. And this is, um, this follows very closely. Like if you look at the, the language, the shamanic language that's used around soul retrieval, and you look at some of the modern research, psychological research that's done, you know, in physiological research that is, has taken place around trauma, I believe that they're really talking about 
the same phenomena using absolutely different vocabulary, right? We talk about this um, trauma causing this fracturing of the psyche. These, you know, if you are of a Jungian psych, you know, psychoanalytic bent, you would talk about these subpersonalities splitting off. Um, where a shaman would talk about soul loss, and you know, again, they're it's different terminology, but they're really talking about the same phenomena. And you know, understandably, there is a you know, there's a medical model which doesn't sort of recognize the spiritual aspect of soul loss, and that's unfortunate. Um, I have been extremely fortunate in working with um, doctors and therapists who practice shamanism. Um, and, you know, learning from them and talking with them and, um, you know, having clients who have uh, therapists who embrace the, you know, embrace the fact that their clients are, are seeing um, shamanic practitioners. I do think that, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot there. There's, you know, our ancestors experienced trauma and, um, you know, the, the ways that they developed healing for that uh, are valid, and we should listen to those because, uh, you know, they survived, again, going back to my ancestors who survived in conditions that I'm living in now, um, but with, you know, with, with a house around me, with, you know, central heating and um, electricity and internet and all of those things, my my ancestors didn't have all of those things and they survived. And so those skills are not to be set aside as inferior to modern ways necessarily. Right. I mean, we have some improve, we have lots of improvements, but we also sometimes lose some things. And that's really important when we talk about ceremony and ritual. Um, You know, we lived most of human existence practicing shamanism, you know, we see evidence of shamanic practices in cave paintings that are 50,000 years old and, um, you know, ritualistic sites that are thousands of years old and and all of these things. Um, In many ways, we've lost a lot of that in the modern world. And it's a little bit unfortunate because I think it puts us out of touch with this current of ancestral energy that we can... um, tap into for healing and wisdom and knowledge and really knowledge about how to survive um, in the crazy conditions we find ourselves in the world today. So going back to soul retrieval, and, you know, we call this a ceremony. Um, You know, there are several ritualistic actions that are performed, um, but it is a special event. Uh, You know, we consider it almost like another birthday bringing these essences back that were lost. Imagine, you know, a member of your family being lost for a really prolonged period of time and then finding them, then, you know, rescuing them again and bringing them back into the fold. And what was, what would be the first thing you said that welcome home? I've missed you. Welcome home. Right. And it's very much like that with soul retrieval ceremony, because it's a real welcoming home of, these, these parts of your own, you know, your own internal family, your, your essences, these pieces that might have been in hiding due to some trauma or, you know, or some other, some, there are a few other causes of soul loss, but 
trauma is the big one and it can happen sort of in an instant. And, you know, we get fractured and parts of us feel dissociated. Um, and I do want to say, you know, if you, we've, you know, we've all experienced some level of trauma, we've all gotten a fright or we've all, you know, um, you know, almost been in a car accident or something along those lines or had to have surgery or, or any of, you know, anything that can be sort of traumatic for us. Um, and I think almost every person on this planet could benefit from soul retrieval ceremony. I've, uh, I've never met anybody who couldn't, I mean, that includes people who've been practicing shamanism for a really long time. Um, you know, your work is never really done. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's a fantastic, it's a beautiful life affirming, empowering, uh, work. It's, it's kind of the thing that I live for. I I do, you know, I love teaching. Um, you know, it, it comprises the majority of what I do these days, but, um, I do love working with people and I do love, uh, you know, I do love doing soul retrieval ceremony. So getting back to um, ceremony and ancestors and sort of what we've lost, um, you know, I've had lots of conversations with uh, people of, you know, different walks of life, people who are therapists, people who are shamanic practitioners, people who, you know, um, are in non-allied fields, uh, just, you know, just people in life. Um, and there's this sense, particularly in the Western world, of... Um, you know, there's something, there's something missing, right? There's this feeling that there's something we're missing out on. And some of that comes from the depersonalized nature of technology. Um, in one way, technology can connect all of us, right? It allows me to record this podcast and speak to um, people all over the world. And I love that. It's fantastic. You know, Zoom allows us during the pandemic to communicate with one another over video and, you know, social media, uh, well, you know, social media is, uh, is a tool. And so it can be used for good and used for harm. And, um, you know, I won't make any big judgments about it, but I will say that, you know, when used well, social media allows us to, to connect with people. And, and so those are, those are really good things. And so I think a part of that is, um, you know, we're, we're definitely feeling it now during this pandemic and a lot of us are, uh, socially isolated anyway. And, and so even more so during the pandemic, like we're feeling this, um, you know, this loss of connection perhaps. Um, and there's a lot missing, uh, particularly in Western culture. We don't have, you know, when I grew up, there was no, um, there's no rite of passage that I went through. There's no, okay, you know, I'm not of the Jewish faith and I didn't have a bar mitzvah. I didn't have a coming of age ceremony. I did not have um, any of those things that make an impression on sort of the astral body, the spiritual self. Now, I have gone through lots and lots of um, initiations with, you know, during my spiritual time, I have, you know, gone through... Um, I've gone through Buddhist initiation. I've gone through, um, you know, initiation with certain what we'd consider, I guess, secret society initiations. I've gone through, 
I went through a two-year initiation process in shamanism. Um, and, and so those things are rites of passage, right? Those things are, there are ceremonies involved with those things. Um, and I, you know, I absolutely love them. I absolutely eat that up. It changes who I am uh, because the intent is there. You know, again, you can go through a ceremony with no intent, same way you can go through a ritual with no intent and just act it out, and it does not make, it It absolutely will not make the same impression. Intent is 100% important. So I do believe that, um, particularly right now, the world could use more ceremony. Um, you know, if you if you regularly participate participate in ceremony and that brings you a sense of connectedness, then you are consider yourself lucky. Um, if you are, if you participate in ceremony and do so out of obligation, or you know, um, just it's a thing to do, uh, you might be missing out a little bit, right? You might be missing out on some of the benefits that come from participating in in ceremony or even observing ceremony. I have observed. Um, some very cool ceremony. One one that sticks out to me was watching um, uh, watching Tibetan Buddhist monks um, finishing making a sand mandala, and um, you know they there's a ceremony like it. I don't know if you know, but the, you know they make these very intricate mandalas out of sand, and they spend lots and lots of time on it. Um, uh, you know, a whole group of monks will make this very intricate you know, pattern out of colored sand, very beautiful. Um, and then somebody will come in um, and, you know, I'm not using the proper terms, but with, you know, something that looks like a broom, I don't know what the term for it is, um, but, you know, and sweep it away and one fell swoop. Um, and there's, you know, there's chanting and there's, you know, there's all kinds of things that go along with that. And, um, you know, there's tons of ritualistic action and the you know the the single sweep destruction of this piece of work that they've been working on for days um, you know again it's symbolic action it's meant to represent and drive home the idea of non-permanence of impermanence right nothing is permanent nothing stays and so observing that was dramatic for me and um you know, it was it was definitely meaningful. I got a chance to talk to the monks afterwards. They gave me a little bit of the sand from the mandala. Uh, it was a really beautiful. It was a really beautiful ceremony, um, and just as an observer who didn't necessarily understand all of the in- intricacies of the ceremony, there still was an impact because I went with the intent to take it take it all in. And, you know, to understand more about it and um, to observe it with, with, with reverence because it is, you know, it is sacred and, um, you know, it is sacred to that culture and, and that religion and to, to sort of take that in. And so you can, you can just as an observer of ceremony have, uh, be Im- certainly be impacted, right? We're, we're definitely impacted by symbols, it's why advertising works. Um, you know, it's why uh, it's why art works, right? When you look at a piece of art and it has an impact on you at a very deep level, 
um, you know, it's kind of the same thing. Um, so I would, you know, I would make a, um, I would make a sort of request or I would urge you to, when you, when the opportunity arises to participate mindfully in ceremony, um, go with intent, even if the intent is I'm just going to be open to what's going on here. I'm going to take it in and um, be open to it. And that is sometimes enough of an intent to have um, a very profound impact on you. Um, So let's talk a little bit about, uh, I do, you know, I do from time to time design ceremony for specific events or specific things that are going on. Um, so I want to talk about a few elements that might help you if you, I don't know, if you want to, you know, if you want to develop your own ceremony for something or, or to help you appreciate what's going on, um, what's going on in the ceremony. Um, there are a few elements and again, you know, if to speak in very general terms, because as soon as you say something like all ceremonies involve creating sacred space, um, I'm sure you could think of ceremonies where that was not called out, right? Where that was not a huge important part of the ceremony um, or, you know, something along those lines, right? But, um, you know, you'll find that the, you know, ceremonies do happen in specific time and space, right? And there's something special about both of those things, okay? Even if the ceremony is the throwing out of the first pitch at a baseball game, you know, opening ceremony baseball game, um, you know, the baseball diamond, uh, you know, is, yes, it's sports, yes, it's entertainment, but there is this, there's this pattern there, there's this thing that exists in the psyche of people who have enjoyed baseball for, you know, 150 years or however long baseball has been around. And so there is an impact. There is, there is a space. So one of the, one of the items about ceremony is that it frequently happens in a special place or a sacred space. That doesn't mean all ceremony has to happen in a purpose built temple or church it just means that there is um, a space that's marked out frequently that is this area is somehow special, right? In, um, you know, we refer to the inner part of the temple in Jerusalem as the sanctum sanctorum, right? The holy of holies, the, the, the inner part where only the the elite is the separation from the sacred and the profane or the divine and the mundane, right? This is the space. And that and sacred space makes an impression, makes a serious impression on the spirit, on the unconscious mind, on the symbolic, on the symbolic part of the astral, entering sacred space. Definitely if you are sensitive or clairvoyant or empathic, you you definitely feel it, right? 
Um, and how do we mark out sacred space? Well, I mean, you can do all kinds of things physically to mark out sacred space, right? You can set up a temple or build a church. Um, I remember walking into the uh, cathedral in Cologne, Germany, which is, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old, and it's, you know, 300 feet tall, and you walk in, and it's like a giant cave. It's very dark. And, um, you know, there is this immense sense of, of leaving the regular world behind and entering a special place. So it's anything that sort of uh, sets a space apart. Now, in a lot of, a lot of workings, a lot of sort of magical workings, um, in shamanic workings and that sort of thing, they do what's called um, casting a circle. So it's sort of like uh, making a circle around which the work takes place that is safe from spirits, etc. Um, you know, it's sort of banishing, saying, okay, any of you spirits who are hanging out in this space, it's time to leave because I only want the spirits in the space that are invited. And, and that's, you know... Uh, depending upon your belief system, you know, that's a thing. Like we we only want the energies in the space that we're working in to be there. We don't want to be distracted. We don't want, um, you know, our work to be tainted by different energies. And if you if you aren't a believer, if you aren't animistic in nature and believe in, in nature spirits and, and that sort of thing and other types of spirits are just hanging out, you can think of it as setting apart those parts of your psychology that might interfere with with the work that you are about to do, the symbolic work that you're about to do. And so there's always a creation of sacred space in, in these ways. So if you were to create a ceremony for some purpose, and again, it should have a purpose. You, we don't do ceremony just for the sake of doing ceremony, but the purpose can be, you know, I'm going to celebrate the winter solstice or the new moon or the full moon or a birthday or um, a birth or a death or, you know, whatever they're, you know, setting apart space helps you communicate on all levels of the human being. And this is what symbolic action really is about, right? We have a physical body. We have a mind or mental body, emotional body. We have an etheric double, which is our energetic body. We have this astral body, which is our soul body, and that communicates really well metaphorically. And you know, and then we have this indwelling um, spirit, this the sort of the Atman in Sanskrit, right? This this over soul, this connection to divinity, and symbolic action, ritual, and ceremony allows us to align all of those parts of ourselves, right? I do something physical that impacts my etheric body, my astral body, my mental body. Um, your, your spirit body, your connection to divinity isn't necessarily impacted by that, but you can, you can align with it. You can align your other parts with that, with that part of you. Okay, and this can have effects uh, that carry on for a period of time. Um, you know, soul retrieval ceremonies, for example, and I keep going back to that because I, you know, because I'm a shamanic practitioner, uh, have tend to have a profound and lasting impact on people. You know, I had a client one time who, 
you know, after after soul retrieval told me that he felt joy for the first time in as long as he could remember. I mean, that's, you know, I'm almost in tears talking about that. That's profound. That's a profound change that happened as a result of that ceremony. Um, I can't imagine going through life for as long as I can remember and not having moments of joy. Um, but to just feel it spontaneously all of a sudden, um, you know, and he was overwhelmed and I understand that I understand being overwhelmed by that. Um, so getting these things in alignment, getting your, your physical, you know, your, your physical self in alignment with the other parts of yourself. And that's really what ritual and ceremony is about. So sacred space also, um, We'll talk about time, right? Because ritual and ceremony happen in three-dimensional reality. We ha- they happen in time and space. We're doing something with our physical bodies that move through time and space, even though other parts of us um, don't experience time and space in the same way. Um, it is important, right? So ceremony, rituals and ceremonies have a beginning, have a definite beginning and end, right? So in the you know, Western Christian wedding ceremony. They begin when the, you know, when the bridal party um, does the procession, right? They mar- they sort of march in or they, they walk into some music. There's a bunch of ritual that happens in between. And then they normally end when the bride and groom walk out of the, you know, walk out of the place where the ceremony is being held. Okay, so there's a, there's a definite beginning and an end, there's not this sense of um, of this is something that's going on forever and ever and doesn't end. And that's important, right? Because you're telling yourself, you're telling all parts of yourself, okay, now I am doing this symbolic work. Now I am doing this ceremony. Now I am doing this ritual. It's, you know, um, don't get confused with other things I may have done before or other things that I have done after, right? So there's a separation. So when I, um, when I, well, I trained in martial arts my whole life, and when I, you know, was training in a, um, a dojo, you know, when we walk in the door, we bow. When we enter the mat, we bow, um, you know, and that is a little ritual, right? This bowing um, you know, it's a small ritual, but it's a little bit of saying, okay, I'm putting the world behind me and I'm showing respect, you know, to my classmates and my teacher and to the school and to the ancestors who came before to give this art, these arts to us. And we bow, there's a, um, you know, a, a kameza, seat of the spirits in the front, um, which is a, you know, sort of a Shinto shrine, a small Shinto shrine of sorts. And you bow to that to show respect. So this is getting, again, it's getting into alignment. No matter what happened, if I was coming from work or, you know, when I was living in Boston, I would take the subway. Um, You know, a lot of stuff was going on. And, you know, my mind might not be aligned with my body and my spirit might be doing something else. And, you know, who knows, right? And so this is about coming into alignment. Now it is time to do this, this work. Um, and so you can think about when you perform, you know, any sort of spiritual or symbolic action. Meditation could be a ritual, right? If, if there's a symbolic component to your meditation, um, 
And if you think about sitting down on your on your mat, you're setting out sacred space. There's a beginning to, um, you know, there's a beginning. You sit on your cushion. There's an ending. You open your eyes. You get up. You ring a bell or whatever you do to set yourself in time and space for performing ritual or ceremony. Um, as I mentioned before, intent is really um, is really the key to almost any kind of spiritual work that you do. Um, intent creates the change. Intent creates the impact of any work that you do. Okay, if I, um, you know, if I, I don't know, if I perform again, if I perform a ceremony that or if I perform a ritual that um, I don't have a connection to and I don't know what it's for and I don't have correct intention behind it, it's not going to have the impact that I want it to. So again, if I make the sign of the cross that, um, you know, from the Catholic religion, um, it does not necessarily have the same impact or meaning for me. Um, If I chant... In Sanskrit, say, for example, like there's an impact from the sound of the words, but if I don't understand the words that I'm chanting or if I don't have, and there's no intention behind them, um, they're just sounds. And yes, there are sacred sounds and they have, they have a definite impact, but there's not going to be as much of an impact if there's no intent there. Okay. So think about sacred space, a beginning and an end, an intent, and that will that will take your you know anything that you do that's sort of uh, ritualistic or ceremonial. Um, it will it will take you further, and that again includes just observing ceremony, attending ceremony that is being performed by somebody else. Um, you know, examples of that obviously are like religious ceremonies that are led by um, led led by religious leaders, right? Um, you know, where you're not the one who's conducting space. But if you have the intent going in of being open or being impacted or making a greater connection or whatever the intent is when you when you attend, like hold on to that, hold on to that through the ceremony and it will have a bigger impact um, because, again, it gets your parts in alignment. I like to talk about the expression... Um, I don't know if this exists in other languages besides English, but we talk about firing on all cylinders, which we're talking about a car, right? If we're talking about a car that has cylinders in the engine, right, that's where the combustion happens that causes um, that causes the engine to run and, um, you know, uh, makes the car go. And so if you have six cylinders... Um, and there's a problem, and only three of them are firing, you obviously only have half as much power in your car as as you should if things were aligned, if things were working properly, if all six cylinders were firing. So it's the same thing with human beings. If we get all of our parts in alignment using intent, using ritual, using ceremony, it's like you're firing on all six cylinders. It's like your impact, your spiritual development, the things, you know, you're healing, any of these things will have a much greater effect. 
So when I, when I work with clients, um, clients come to me for some kind of healing, you know, I always tell them, um, you know, shamanism works on the level of the soul body, right? Which is one layer of, of the human being. And so, um, you know, and that can provide some profound healing. Um, but really you need to be in absolute alignment, you know, mind, body, spirit, soul, all of those layers need to be in alignment for the maximum effect to take place. So there may be some physical action that has to take place. You know, if somebody has, you know, think about somebody who has, um, you know, horrible allergies from food that they're eating, you know, shamanic healing might help. It might give them some more energy to regulate their immune system or whatever, but you also have to stop eating the foods that you're having allergic reactions to. Okay, I have seen, absolutely have I seen healing that could be defined as miraculous. I've seen, um, you know, uh, people heal from surgery faster after shamanic work. I've seen, um, you know, lots of trauma healing, um, you know, holding certain things at bay and that sort of thing. But you always do that work in conjunction with, um, you know, with other with the other healing work that you're doing with the physical level with the mental level with with all of those things i don't say you know shun modern allopathic medicine for you know spiritual healing only we're firing on all cylinders so it's the same thing with ceremony and ritual we want to fire on all cylinders we want to get into alignment intent is a good way to do that um setting up physical symbols um, of sacred space, whether that's lighting a candle somewhere or um, having an altar at home. I, you know, I have uh, many altars in my house, as many shamanic practitioners do. But um, uh, having an altar is something I highly recommend. You know, it's a, it's a place that you can go to that is mark, marked out um, sacred space, even if it's tiny, even if it's a shelf um, or a windowsill, or a small table, or something like that. It's an area that's marked out as sacred, right? And has it's a place to come into alignment with the spirit on on the physical plane. And it's one of the things, one of the tenets of of shamanism is that we walk in we walk in multiple worlds simultaneously. We do not forego the physical world for the spiritual. That's called spiritual bypassing. I will probably do a whole podcast on spiritual bypassing because it is honestly, um, it's a big problem in the spiritual development community that I that I see today. Um, it's the, you know, everything is fine because I'm an ascended master feeling, um, you know, ignoring the house being on fire, right? When the solution is leave the burning building Yes, you can still, you know, maintain your calm and um, not be not be affected by by your house burning down as much. But if your house is on fire, you know, there's a simple physical solution to that, and that is walk out of your house and save your life because you have a physical body, and you know it's not necessarily to be ignored. So uh, this is and this has become one of my longer podcasts, and I realize there's a lot of tangents here, um, but I did want to talk about ceremony and ritual. It's very important to me. Um, 
you know, we do a lot of ceremony. I do a lot of ritual. And, um, you know, hopefully this has been interesting to you. I would love to hear if you, you know, if you do want to go to my website, it's uh, main, M-A-I-N-E, shaman, S-H-A-M-A-N, dot com. Um, I would love to hear if you have topics you'd like me to cover or guests you'd like me to talk to. I will promise that I'm going to figure out the technology for interviewing uh, guests very soon. Uh, obviously, I have to do that remotely during the pandemic for, for safety's sake. But, um, you know, I will will be working on that um, shortly. So it's not, you know, hopefully bring in some, some very interesting guests very soon. Uh, but please feel free to f- contact me that way. Um, and uh, I look forward to speaking to you more in the future. And um, I love to see the listeners, uh, you know, from all over the planet, really, uh, you know, really coming in and listening. And um, that makes me very happy. And um, so I wish you uh, a wonderful day. Um, I wish you more love, not less. And with that, I will leave you. been listening to Speaking Spirit with your host, John Moore. For more info or to contact John, go to mainshaman.com. That's M-A-I-N-E-S-H-A-M-A-N.com. 